Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tennessee Power Hour live from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Brewing Company and Old Smoky Distillery alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us and pleased to be joined to kick off the Power Hour with VolQuest's Austin Price and Brent Hubbs live from Knoxville. Time to talk all things Tennessee Volunteers over the next 30 minutes or so. Then we'll preview Titans and Falcons in the first preseason matchup of the slate uh, that will kick off tonight at 6 o'clock Central Time. Some aspects of the game we're actually interested in following and what overall will be a very boring matchup this evening in the ATL. But nothing boring about what's way, going on in Knoxville. a boring matchup that we're also bemoaning that we don't have player props on. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, the, yeah, I want to make it interesting. That would make a boring product not that's, so boring. That's right. Uh, gentlemen, not boring with no. uh, some of the, the quarterback battles and just trying to learn this team. Uh, a lot going on in Knoxville. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing great. Hope you guys are doing well. And uh, it has been interesting, and it continues to be interesting. Scrimmage number one under the in the books, and Tennessee goes back to the scrimmage field early next week in what is the, the second major scrimmage to try to separate and create some separation and pecking order at, at various positions, not just the quarterback spot. Yeah, before we get started, um, yep. I just want to extend my hand to Paul. <laughs> uh, shake my hand. Um, you know. Yeah, I'm late again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, so good. The, you know, Austin has been sitting on that one yeah, uh, for a couple days. Well, of course so he we'll has. that picture surface. He was ready for that one. Uh, Austin would never uh, take a photo of Brent Hubs like that in, the, in that moment and tweet that out as a joke. I, I, I know that would never be the case, Hubs. He would never do no, that. Well, he would because, be funnier. You know, because so many common fans don't understand how things work in our industry. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know how many people, I, I remember meeting a guy who thought that, you know, Hubs and I get all our information from the janitor. <laughs> yeah, sure we do. So like, you know, nobody understands that Paul, AJ Brown actually talk, you know, when, when things aren't going, you know, going on during practice, that type of thing, just like Paul talks with lots of people at, at the Titans facility, or we talk to a lot of people at Tennessee's football facility. Hubs, it's like uh, it's like the janitor goes to these uh, these these scrimmages, you know, and uh, you guys aren't allowed in, but somehow, you know, the, the janitor gets in and you get all the information. Well, I've spoken to a lot of janitors in my 20 years of covering Tennessee uh. athletics because you got to find any morsel you can find anywhere along the way. I'm not saying they broke down scrimmages for me, but they might have told me a, a time sure. or two if they were setting up for something or if somebody was in the building, but that's a story for a different day. You know, I mean, every coach out there has, in college football has closed scrimmages. That's normal. So you just work everybody you can talk to to find out what you can about the scrimmage. And uh, I think the biggest takeaway from Tennessee scrimmage on Thursday is that uh, that's a different looking defense. And, and you thought that they would be different with the transfers that have come in. Uh, they're seeing help at the transfer position, uh, you know, at all the three levels where they've had transfers come in. And then the other takeaway is the growth and development of the defensive line under Rodney Garner. That, that being said, the offense didn't have a good day. It wasn't a great day for the offense. And uh, I, I think Josh Heupel tried to sell it that it was not as that, you know, that it was okay at times, but I don't think overall anybody was pleased with where they were offensively. Uh, but at the same time, there was some positive takes, takeaways from what they did defensively, Austin. Yeah, there were. And, and the biggest thing about the offense is they just had mental errors. You can clean that up. I mean, when you start several, not just one or two, several of your drives at first and 15 or first and 20, you're setting yourself back. And so Tennessee can clean up the, the mental errors, the penalties, that, you know, at least one would hope they can, that kind of, you know, hurt them in, in scrimmage number one offensively and set them back to not have more success. So um, things that you can clean up. But uh, to me, it's a good sign. Brent talked about it yesterday, um, you know, when he asked Coach Heupel about it. it, it to me, it's a good sign that the, the defense 
with the new faces, you know, I, they're just going to play such a key role. All these new bodies, Caleb Tremblay, DJ Terry, Jawan Mitchell, um, you know, Kamal Haddon or, or Brandon Turnage, even if they're not starters, they're going to play. I mean, Tennessee can't make it to the whole football season, but fully healthy top 11. You're going to play these kids. And so, um, you know, I think that the, the defense having some success, getting guys back, getting Jeremy Banks back after having missed the practice earlier in the week, um, the emergence of Byron Young, um, all that, you know, kind of, you know, says, hey, this defense may be better than most people realize. Expecting a, an offensive football team. So when you talk about their, their sloppiness and, and that stuff, how much, to pick up on what you were saying there, Austin, how, how much can you get a gauge on how much the defense is really better and how much when things don't go well for the offense is kind of offense inflicted? Well, I, I don't know about you, Brent, but I feel like that, you know, you can get a gauge on things like tackling well. What, considering the, ta- ten, the tackle football is kind of going away from tackling and practice, and to, to say you tackled well in your first scrimmage, to me, that's a good sign. Um, you know, the defensive line making plays is a good sign. Now, you know, did t- the Tennessee's lack of execution and stalling out on offense, did that have to, you know, do a little bit with the fact that they, you know, kept playing behind the sticks? Maybe it did. Um, you know, I, again, I think you can learn little things about uh, your team in, in, in these scrimmages. I'm not sure you can learn the whole scope of your team until you really start playing other people. You go back to that 98, you know, everybody loves to reference 98, but you go back to that and, and the offense couldn't move the ball. No one's suggesting this Tennessee defense is that defense, okay, at all. Like light years, way different. But like, point being is you don't really know if you're good or bad on either side of the ball going against each other. I think you can just kind of get a feel, okay, hey, that player's making some plays, this guy's making some noise that type of thing. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think you have to be very careful not to make a judgment positively or negatively either way, um, you know, of any kind of magnitude, right? I mean, I think, you know, based on everybody you talk to, Byron Young is going to help this football team a lot. He's a difference type guy off the edge. That's not anybody, nobody's saying he's an All-American or any of that, but but he's something they didn't have in the, a year ago and didn't have in the spring, really, because he was not uh, nearly where he is right now. So some individuals you can go with. I, I was at those scrimmages in 98. They were open back then, Paul. The last scrimmage Tennessee had in 98, I don't think the offense made a first down uh, the entire scrimmage. I know they didn't score, but I don't think they made a first down. T. Martin threw a pick six uh, on the first possession. And, and you walked out of there the previous year. They were so good. Peyton Manning was the quarterback. And you walked out of that scrimmage going, this team may never score. They might not score. They went to Syracuse to open the season, and they had to kick a field goal at the end of regulation to win 34-31. And nobody thought they were going to score 34 points, and nobody thought they would give up 31 points. So you don't really know what you have until you line up and, and play somebody. That's why you know you, you, you schedule a game like Bowling Green to try to figure out what you have when you're trying to rebuild a program. Yeah, Donovan, we now have a pretty good quarterback for that Syracuse team. Tennessee found out yeah. that day. Um, yeah. Quarterback, also, what I want to ask you about, Brian Maurer uh, has not been around after tweeting out uh, something about being a soldier and saying 18 out at Tennessee and then uh, later editing that Instagram post. Uh, what is the latest with, with Brian Maurer? Well, Brian's been in the building. Uh, he was in the building and seen by the media yesterday um, after the scrimmage, but he's not been around the team he has at scrimmage he's supposed to meet with josh heupel sometime today to to decide what what he's going to do uh brian got mad and upset because his reps got cut from the quarterback derby and we've talked about it on this show austin's made it i think abundantly clear to everybody that he wasn't really going to factor into the race to be the starter and um, his reps got cut in the first week he got um, angry at that took offense to that and decided not to come to practice and hasn't practiced in two days and so we'll see what comes out of the meeting. Um, you know, this is not the first time he's discussed leaving on social media and acted like he was leaving on social media. Uh, but the, the, the bottom line, Austin, is Brian Maurer's not going to be the starting quarterback at Tennessee. He's not going to be the backup quarterback at Tennessee. And any hopes he had of trying to be that, he, he, he took that out of the equation by electing not to scrimmage in the first major scrimmage. So if he comes back, he's got to – He's got to get in line and be, be a good teammate and, and do everything he can 
to help a defense get ready each and every week, or he can decide to go elsewhere and um, and start his career somewhere else. I don't think anybody's throwing him out of the program, but nobody's begging him to stay either. That's kind of my stance, Austin. Well, I, I think, you know, Tennessee's going to be, you know, careful with this because, you know, Brian did admit a year ago to having some mental health problems. Um, so Tennessee's not going to just throw him to the curb. But I think, you know, if you're Josh Heupel, you say, look, man, you're, you're welcome in this program as long as you are the model citizen, as long as you're the model teammate. If you become a problem, for chemistry or anything that we're trying to get accomplished, then then you're gone. And, 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 and you know, at, at the end of the day, like, you got to look out for the kid, but you also got to look out for yourself. So I think letting him come back if he chooses to do that, and it would not shock me at all if we roll out there for practice tomorrow morning that he's out there. Because, again, multiple years, he's been all over the map on social media. Again, yesterday – he didn't go to the scrimmage. He wasn't at Neyland Stadium, but he just so happened to go and pick up his meal at Smokey's and walk right past the media at the exact time the press conference was ending. Sure you did. Um, you know, I, again, it, it, to me, it's a lot of it's calculated. Um, and, you know, I just look at this as like, hey, you, you take care of the kid as long as he's not hurting you. And some vague Instagram post is not hurting you, but if he hurts your your chemistry becoming a problem in the locker room, then I think you have to look at saying, okay, enough's enough. And looking at the guys who are actually competing for the starting quarterback job and, and not Brian Maurer, I, I noticed in the war room you had a note about Hendon Hooker maybe being the most steady of those quarterbacks so far. Are we discounting Hendon Hooker in this race at all? And by we, I mean Tennessee fans in general following this, this quarterback race. Brent, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that, that Hendon's a guy who has improved over the summer. He's cleaned some things up, and he's playing better now than he did in the spring. I think the one thing about Hendon Hooker is his legs are a factor, um, and, and that's, a, you know, that's a help for him. I think if there's a negative to Hendon Hooker, he's probably too conservative with the ball. Joey Halsley uh, talked about it when he met with the media when asked about the quarterback race, and how do you tell kids not to play conservative? What do you want them to do in terms of trying to win the job but not being afraid to make a mistake? And he said, I want the quarterbacks to rip it. I don't know that that's Hendon Hooker's mentality is to step back there and rip it all the time. So I think he is steady Eddie. Um, he's played a good bit of football. He's had some success playing football. His legs have been a big factor in that success. Um, he's been um, – cautious with the ball but he's taking care of the football minimizing some mistakes so because of that I think his steadiness does you know keep him in this quarterback race and, and puts him in a position uh, to certainly be the backup if he's not the if he's not the starting quarterback Brent Hubs and Austin Price with us here on Outkick 360 for the VolQuest Power Hour Austin, I'll start with you, and then Brent, please chime in on this. Uh, the defense won the day to hear Heupel d discuss it. I know you hit that on this earlier, Brent. But Austin, it, specifically, it sounds as though, and I know VolQuest detailed this in some of the notes, the defensive line was extremely don uh, dominant. And, and this, is, this is a group that is, has been overhauled. And I know there have been several positional groups like this that have a new look to it, but what a boost this would give that Tennessee defense to have a defensive line, and, and what a boost with Gardner coaching that group that, that it, they're already seeing some production against a, a Tennessee offense with high expectations. Well, no doubt about it, and, and you know I think more than anything, it's just changing the mentality, the mindset of uh, that defensive line. This group is going to be coached hard, even when they have a good day like yesterday. I'm not sure it ever is good enough for, for Coach Garner. I mean, he's going to push, push, push. And he and I think in his mind, I'll love him at the end. <laughs> I don't know if we'll push these kids, you know, and, and push them and push them and push them. And, um, you know, I, I think when you look at kind of the growth they've had from spring to now, it's pretty substantial. I'm not sure any of us saw that coming uh, just because, you know, you had some changeover in bodies. You bring in Dejon Terry. You bring in Caleb Tremblay. Um, you know, you start talking about the outside guys because, you know, sometimes Byron Young and those guys put their hand on the ground, you know, you know, Tyler Bear in the same same way. You know, they've kind of got a new look to them. And so I just feel like that, you know, they just have a new mindset. And that goes that way for a lot of positions, but more specifically for that group, because they've had like a different defensive line coach almost every year for, uh, you know, you, you really go back to Dan Brooks 
has Tennessee had more strength coaches since 2008 or defensive line coaches? Because that's the one position that has had like this revolving door. When Brooks got let go, I think it was six different D-line coaches in six years um, from like 08 to whatever it was, 2013-14. Um, same thing here. Like you're starting to see a, a revolving door. Coach Garner gives them stability. He gives them experience. He gives them a one common voice. And uh, after really kind of having a substitute teacher last year, with you know, without really having a coach, you know, I think this group needed that, and they're responding to it. It's all about accountability, and uh, this group's being held accountable to a level and a standard that they weren't held accountable for um, the, the last year. And um, you, you can discuss all the reasons why they weren't held accountable. Didn't have a coach. Head coach was trying to coach them. Uh, COVID, whatever the case may be, but that group did not have the level of accountability with each other uh, that they needed, and there was not the level of accountability they needed from a position coach because they didn't have one. Rodney Garner brings accountability, um, and and as a result of that, he's getting a, a higher uh, return of effort. Uh, I don't think this group's a great group. I think this group's going to have days where good offensive lines can give them a lot of trouble. Uh, but it is a group that's playing at a different level from an effort standpoint and an intensity standpoint. Uh, they have changed the face of that group. I think getting Latrell Bumpus back is something nobody's really talked about. I think Bumpus is, is a productive player, not a great player, but a productive player that adds a body there um, that, that can get into that rotation. They've got some other guys there. Uh, but I think the biggest takeaway from that group is there's an accountability factor within that room that you've not seen there in over a year. Guys, for Tennessee to really exceed expectations, they're going to need some pleasant surprises on this roster. You've got a great write-up right now on Christian Charles uh, and his move to defensive back. He was a high school quarterback. Is Christian Charles so far maybe a pleasant surprise for that Tennessee defense? Brent, let's start with you. Yeah, absolutely he is. And credit Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, credit Jeremy Pruitt and his staff, Austin, for the evaluation here. This is a guy from Gainesville, Georgia. Um, that a lot of people weren't looking at and projecting as a defensive back because he was an offensive player. Um, Tennessee liked him because he had good ball skills and um, they, they liked his mentality. He wanted to be able to go to camps last summer and, and kind of sell himself at camps. That was his plan. That didn't happen. And, and Tennessee went to work and, and got a really good evaluation of him and ended up signing a player who can run who's got talent. So you credit the previous staff for getting that one because that's one that Josh Heupel's looking at and Willie Martinez is looking at going, you know what, we've got ourselves a pretty talented football player, a guy who's got a chance to help us down the road for sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when you when you throw him in, you know, with Deshaun Rucker, I mean, Tennessee's got a couple of kids that can run in the secondary. And, and that goes a long way when you got some speed in the back end of your defense. So – Hundred percent, you know, uh, the evaluation goes to the last staff, and um, you know, he he is a smart, intelligent kid who has a work ethic, and you know, to me, that goes a long way. When you're driven off the field and you don't have to be set there and you know, prodded and pushed and uh, you know, to to get stuff done when you're not at practice, to me, that spells you know, like a a, a winner in my mind and someone who can really help this team because athletically he does have some real tools. Austin, at wide receiver, there's there's a, a lot of players there, but a lot of players we haven't seen much from uh, top to bottom. I, I, I read where Jimmy Calloway is off to a really nice start. We've seen some good things and heard some good things, at least from Javante Payton as well. And they, they join a group with Jalen Hyatt and, and Valus Jones that have had a, a nice seven days to camp so far. They do. I mean, when we went with Cody uh, Burns on, um, I believe it was Wednesday, the word he used was unknown. And I do think there are a lot of unknowns about this group because, you know, several of these guys just haven't gotten the experience, um, don't have the run um, at, the, at the wide receiver position. Then there's unknowns like Javante Payton just because he's switching programs, you know, from Mississippi State to Tennessee. Uh, there's unknowns, um, you know, with, you know, just – the overall room, you have a lot of bodies, but do you have exactly what this staff wants at wide receiver? Because what they want and what another staff likes in a receiver are two different things. I do think that, you know, they've got some really solid players. I just think that ultimately it's going to boil down to um, 
everyone kind of finding their niche and understanding like one game, it may be Jalen Hyatt with a big game, then he may not do a whole lot for a couple games, but then shows back up with another 150-yard game. I'm not sure there's going to be a thousand-yard receiver or or whatever. I think there's going to be just a lot of, you know, kind of compiling different guys, different weeks, and that adds up to success. Guys, I know you had a, a note uh, at VolQuest that, you know, what people think about Josh Heupel's offense at times may not line up, and they actually ran the ball more than they passed it a year ago at Central Florida. And Josh Heupel has praised this running back group. Um, what do you think about the running back group as a whole right now and, and maybe Jabari Small at the head of the line at running back? Brent, let's start with you. I think they're a better group at running back than people want to give them credit for. I think they're better at running back than this staff probably wanted to give them credit for when they first evaluated them. You know, I, I wasn't sure, you know, I'm not sure they knew what they had in Tyon Evans, weren't sure if they thought he was the right fit, and uh, they weren't sure exactly what they had. I, I, I said this, and this is not a knock on Eric Gray and Ty Chandler. I, I just did not, I don't think that there's going to be a, you know, just off the charts drop off at that position because I think Tyon Evans can play. I think Jalen Wright's a great fit in this offense. Uh, I think Jabari Smalls, the guy who deserved more carries a year ago than what he got Austin. And, and I think they've got competition there uh, with Jerry Mack, who's done a good job in, in that room. To me, Evans is the biggest X factor because we've not seen him in 11 on 11, but there's a lot of buzz around him. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jalen Wright said that Tyon's the best pass protector on the team there's a real value in that uh, especially when you are going to throw it and um you know you're right there were people on you know the staff a year ago that thought jabari small should get more run he's going to get his chance this year this is a three-headed monster i don't know if much like the receivers i'm not sure you can say hey they're going to count on one or two given guys i think they're going to you know, four feed the hot hand so to speak i mean if it's jalen wright or or, or tyon evans or jabari small they're going to go with whoever's kind of know kind of got that it in the particular game that they're playing but yeah Tyon Evans is definitely an x-factor because he's built differently than Jabari Small and or Jalen Wright his game is different than those two so how does that translate and how quickly can he kind of continue to pick up on things uh, going through fall camp and getting into the season options at running back but they are thin at tackle Karon Calvert uh, with the injury uh Who's next man up, Austin? I know they have their starters, but if something happens, what's next? Well, you've got three a three-headed monster. You've got, you know, Cade Mays, Darnell Wright, and Dane Davis. I mean, those are your three those are your three tackles at this point with K-Ron out. After that, it does get a bit iffy. I mean, RJ Perry, um, you know, do they go with the Caldwell kid, um, you know, who who come from junior college? You know, what do they do with, you know, you know, other guys, do they slide them outside? Does a guy like Jerome Carvin slide out to right tackle? I'm sure he can play left. Maybe he could play right, you know, if things were to kind of go bad at that tackle position. But right now, Tennessee's praying that they're not going to have to deal with a, t- a lot of more injuries at the tackle spot. Um, and it'll be Darnell, Cade, and Dane Davis kind of holding down the fort for as long as they can. Guys, let's talk a little recruiting. Uh, Walter Nolan, uh, big man, big name in recruiting right now. He's playing tonight at Neyland Stadium for Powell High School. Uh, Austin, what, what is the latest with him? How hard is Tennessee pushing with name, image, likeness and the benefits for him in that by staying in the state of Tennessee? Well, I think that they've made it abundantly clear. Hey, listen, you're, you are a huge name. You, in this state, um, would have so many so many options to play ho- at home in your home state. Um, you know, not that you wouldn't have options elsewhere, but you're going to have you'll be battling it out with with kids from that particular home state for NIL um, opportunities. Here, I think it, he walks in and has opportunities right away. Um, you know, they've done a really nice job. Rodney Garner has been very frank, very very blunt uh, with with that you know family and. Uh, you know, they kind of gravitated toward Coach Garner a lot. So um, by no means is it done for Tennessee. This thing will go all the way till the end in December. But if you look back where Tennessee was just a couple of months ago, Brent, they were nowhere to be found. And Rodney Garner, uh, looking like Andy Dufresne with the little axe, just started kind of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. 
and we'll see how long uh, he has to, uh, to, to to dig to see if he can pull Tennessee uh, through 500 yards of poop to get to uh, freedom. <laughs> Chad, okay, get, I don't, I, I don't ahead, get that sorry. reference. I don't get that reference, so I'm. I'm oh Lord! I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> pop culture. I, I don't know what we're talking about here, but that's okay. Uh, let me say this: the, the biggest thing that happened with Walter Nolan is the fact that they got him on campus twice in June for unofficial visits, and, and I think getting him face to face with Rodney Garner um, gave him the opportunity to grab the proverbial axe and chip at something or whatever Austin was talking about there. <laughs> but it put um, it put Tennessee in a position to make his final three for sure. Hey, I'm old. What can I say? I don't watch TV. I don't know. <laughs> Shows the movie about. he's talking about. Yeah, oh, good. yeah. Shawshank oh, Redemption. Shawshank, no, Shawshank also, Redemption. Okay, there also, you go. Also an older one. Uh, I love Austin's <laughs> response to that. Guys, one, one more for you on the NCAA investigation. Baylor not receiving any penalty, and I know it's a completely different set of circumstances, but does that maybe help Tennessee a little bit speed this thing along and come to a conclusion on what their penalty is going to be? Well, I don't know that it speeds anything along because it took Baylor six years to get a decision out of the NCAA. So uh, I don't know that there's anything that's going to be sped up there. Um, And talk to some people over there um, and some people sort of around that a little bit. It was indicated to me that they're going to do everything they can to, you know, do the least amount of impact on the program that they can, obviously, which means maybe their self-imposed stuff is going to be smaller than initially thought, Austin. Uh, But... you know, I think the frustration is the, the, the timing of the NCAA, NCAA is not very good. And then the, the frustration for others is that Tennessee doesn't appear to be closer to being done with an investigation for any kind of resolution at this point. So uh, to me, it's just kind of standing in. It's kind of like the, the, the old circle of death on your computer when, when you just can't get the next page to load because it's just we're, we're stuck in that spin mode for and have been for months, it feels like. The spinning wheel of death. See, I know your references, Brent. Whereas, you know, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. Not sure how you don't get that. But, uh, anyways, so um, I, I most agree. people I, did. I'm just, I, I don't I know, know what it, I, you know, um, you know me. Yeah, I understand. I get it. If it's not Andy Griffith, you don't know what it is. Um, so, um, <laughs> if you said the hatchet, it, Mr. McBee gave up, you'd have been all that. Nip it. Um, you know, <laughs> if I'm Tennessee, I'm slowing it down. Like, I mean, why, why be in a rush? Like, you know, I, I don't know if it behooves them unless they're going to come out and say, hey, look, we fired everybody. We're going to drop a few scholarships. We'll do a few uh, less recruiting, uh, you know, travel. And, you know, that's about it. Like, I, I'm in no rush to put anything out. But, because, but Austin, I mean, but Austin here's, why you, so here's why you, you speed it along. And it's because of the reason you've said You've come on here and said that other coaches are selling players against Tennessee on they're going to have a bowl ban, they're going to do this and that. And the longer it goes on, people are going to continue to listen to the other coaches until they come up with their solution. That's why if you're going to do it, you do what Brent just said, which is you you basically give yourself a smack on the wrist and and that's it. Like to me, you're not – if you self-impose a one-year bowl ban, to me, I, I mean, I guess maybe they could. Um, but like, I just don't know if I would self-impose a, a, a lot of stuff on myself unless, you know, it's going to be very minute. Guys, great as always with the VolQuest Power Hour. We appreciate it. We will catch up next week. College football right around the corner. Uh, cannot wait. And, uh, of course, we love having you on weekly. And, Austin, it was a great Shawshank Redemption reference. It was. Good job. Regardless right, of what I'm Brent a, says. I'm just – I'm a total loser. That's the bottom line, okay? I get it. I, mi- I missed the reference. Good job, Austin. Thanks for extending your olive branch there to me, Austin. I will See reciprocate you, to you. See you, Paul. Have a good one, buddy. See you, Paul. <laughs> the handshake uh, through Zoom, always great. There's Austin Price and Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. A quick note before we continue with the Tennessee Power Hour. Uh, Richard Deitch with the Field of Dreams ratings. Uh, final numbers from Fox. Um, final numbers out later. Fox is looking at its best metered market rating since Major League Baseball regular season game in 2005. That, that's how good this game was. Uh, and we mentioned earlier, it got fans that normally could not care less about Major League Baseball in August tuning in to watch the product. It was, it was excellent. Um, how good will the product be tonight in Atlanta for Titans and Falcons? Probably not that good. But there are aspects to the Titans and uh, roster battles and, and just individual players 
we're ki- we'll keep an eye on uh, as they have their first preseason matchup. We'll uh, run through a couple of, of those news and notes heading into the first kickoff of the preseason straight ahead. Tennessee Power Hour rolls on for Outkick 360. Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360, live from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Thanks for being with us. Leading up to tonight's kickoff with the Titans and the Falcons, we're going to uh, preview the preseason matchup and what we're actually going to take away from tonight's game or keep an eye on, uh, to say the least. Ellie Sylvia, our production assistant, put together a graphic for us with some things that uh, I'm keeping an eye on tonight. And we start with some players to watch. Rookies, Des Fitzpatrick, Racy McMath, who was the talk of camp for about three or four days, and then we haven't heard much from him. I want to see more from him. And Monty Rice, who Vrabel specifically pointed out, as a player that he wants to see communicate well and lead the defense as he plays the majority of the game this evening uh, in Atlanta. Uh, After some of the starters on defense take a seat, we're going to see a lot of Monty Rice. I'm keeping an eye on him. Punt returners return. And what I mean by this is actually return the punt. I don't want to see any fair catches from guys who are looking to make this roster, the back end of a roster, that need to make a job on punt returns. I want to see production from that position and not guys who can just actually wave their hand in the air and catch, catch the football. I know that's not available to you every single punt. The punter can also do his job with some hang time. But uh, Chester Rogers and Cam Batson and Mason Kinsey uh, let's see some let's see some returns and see the special teams get some work and uh, kickers kickers handle pressure uh, and that pressure includes extra points if these dudes come out and miss a kick tonight I don't want to see them around very much longer I want them out and I want someone else in and eventually we're going to see Goskowski in the mix too because I don't have a very high confidence level in either guy as they go to Atlanta they can be on the practice squad I don't see them on the main roster Paul your thoughts I think it's a pretty good list. I'm not that interested in Monty Rice. Here's why. I'm interested in Monty Rice showing me why they were so inclined to draft him in the third round. But Monty Rice is a special teamer this year, barring injury. He's not going to help them this year on defense uh, unless they really get down on Rashawn Evans, which they should be, and uh, or or Jayon Brown. Uh, He might be in some packages and stuff. But I'm more interested in guys that are potentially going to help this year. So I'm looking at Rashad Weaver in particular to see what his length does as a potential third pass rusher. He's going to be first, second, or third tonight. Weaver, John Simons, John Simon, um, Roberson, and Ray, guys who didn't do anything with opportunity last year, who I think are due to be recycled, but they're sticking with. Um, Pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. Beat people and show me that you can I, you can win one on ones and get somewhere in the backfield. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and, and you know I didn't list everything. Right. That, that, Monty Rice intrigues me list. because I want him to be better than David Long, uh, and and we've seen injuries at the inside linebacker position in recent years, specifically last year sure. with Jayon Brown. David Long should be better. He should. Monty be. Rice needs to be better than what David Long provides this I defense, and and therefore, uh, while I don't want to see starters tonight. I don't want to see any starters tonight. Uh, Beyond that, I want to see backups that have the potential to be and play a reserve role and fill a gap for a month or two in a regular season. I want to see value with those players and guys that actually know assignments and can communicate that well. The backups that had to enter this roster last year defensively, it was head on a swivel. Uh, but at the same time, it was drinking from a water hose. That's what the, the rookies are doing right now. I don't want to see that in the regular season if these guys are called upon. Daniel Munyer needs to snap competently. Oh. And I'm not even sure how much of Darrington Evans we'll see and I'd, how quickly they get to, it needs to, to, be fast. to Brian Hill. I would not risk anything to, there. to uh, Makai Sargent. This is a game where I hope the Titans are miserable in the red zone because I want to see kicks. I want to see field goal attempts. That's, that's my biggest takeaway tonight. I this, will be tuned in uh, with more interest than any other moment in the game when the kickers take the field because, like Hutton, I want to see them make kicks in a game-like setting. That, they, that's uh, what they got to do. They're in a world of hurt up front of the offensive line. They're banged up. Um, you, can't, you can't avoid injuries 
in, in camp. You can't avoid injuries really in preseason games. But for, from a reserve role, uh, we, I, I'm interested to see how they get through this game. And I feel terrible for the quarterbacks. I don't know how much time they're going to have um, in, in each role. We, we, we know we're going to see you know, a, a rotation from Woodside and Barkley. But how much evaluation we're actually going to see from, from the passing game, uh, I don't know because the, the offensive line is going to look – my expectations are extremely low for the Dylan, offensive line Dylan tonight. Dylan Radens probably plays a lot tonight uh, out of necessity. So you get a lot to evaluate uh, based on the fact that he's pro- he probably plays early at guard and, uh, and maybe late at tackle. I mean, I'm just I'm looking through there. I mean, we're going to see Paul Adams tonight at Paul guard. Paul Adams has been dinged up. Uh, yeah, he was out there for a walkthrough on two days ago, at least. Um, what Ross Reynolds, Jordan Roos? No, Jordan Roos. They just they just let go, I believe, or yeah. did they just resign? I don't. Christian they've Delario. had so much so much turnover there already in a week. Um, it's it's concerning. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's intriguing just to see how they force it through preseason game number one yeah and chad i thought you i thought you made a great point on uh the new head coach in in atlanta with with everything going on with arthur smith uh with dean pease uh calling plays defensively and the new regime you do typically see the new regime come in and try to throw wrinkles into a preseason game just to ex- get some excitement going i mean the, the titans would do that from time to time in preseason matchups yeah, and it's why I, I picked the Falcons on the money line. I, I just think that there's a little bit more motivation in preseason game number one under Arthur Smith and some things they may be trying in this game that the Titans have no interest in attempting given the state of the two uh, franchises right now. Get in, get out. The state of the roster also. It, yeah, it, it's very much – it's a get in, get out for both teams. But if it's close at all late in the game, I just feel like the Falcons may have a little bit more drive to actually win the preseason game than the Titans would. Titans just signed two new safeties. Don't know what that signals, but I would suggest having good nights for Dane Crookshank and for Matthias Farley, who's here uh, as a special teamer. But Crookshank gets hurt a lot, haven't, hasn't made much noise. Uh, Farley has played higher than you would have expected mm-hmm. above Brady Breeze, who's a late sixth round draft pick. Two more safeties in the mix. I wouldn't imagine they'll play much, if at all, in this game because they haven't been in a practice, really. Um, so they won't know what to do. But uh, they're going to be put in practice next week, and safety is going to get crowded in a hurry. Uh, you better make your impression tonight if you're a backup safety. Uh, quarterback, we'll see some of A.J. McCarron tonight for Atlanta. Uh, Felipe Franks, Chad, also in Atlanta. a big Felipe Atlanta. Franks guy. Yeah, Felipe Franks uh, is a nightmare uh, for uh, for Tennessee fans out there with uh, the Florida Hail Mary and then uh, his, I guess he did okay against uh, Tennessee and uh, when he was at Arkansas also. But yeah, Felipe Franks. I mean, that, look, this is this is preseason football analysis is what we're talking about here. We're talking Felipe Franks. That's that's what that's where we're at right now. And former uh, preseason star for the Titans, Deontay Foreman, is a preseason star tonight in Atlanta for the Falcons. Foreman versus Hill. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's the key uh, of this game. And uh, as far as rookies go, we, we know they have Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. They have a ton of rookies. I mean, they've got, if you look at a depth chart that's listed in color coordinated, they have a lot of green, green indicating the rookies. And uh, we'll see a lot of youth tonight for the Atlanta Falcons in that regime uh, turnover. Other than, um, you know, the depth on the defensive front, Paul, is there, I mean, we haven't. I haven't heard you talk a lot about Des Fitzpatrick. I'm trying to think of the He's other. Just like McMahon. I'm trying to think of the other uh, up and coming players for the Titans that are going to be involved in a lot of second half work. Up and comers, maybe Tommy Hudson. Yeah. Um, could see a lot of Tommy Hudson in the in the second half of this game. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Akina, I think will have a lot of chances in the second half of this game. Jeremy McNichols. Uh, I skipped past to get to Makai Sargent. You think, he could be a big guy in the second half of this you game. You think we've reached a point where Marcus Johnson is not playing very much tonight, even though he's been a, a focus of camp and had a really nice start? I think Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers probably play early in this game to get a chance to confirm what they've done in training camp. 
Uh, if, if they he don't doesn't, play, yeah. that's a real confirmation. Yeah, of what he's on the roster if he doesn't play very much. He's playing, but I mean, like, is he getting a half or is he getting a no, quarter? Series, yeah. I, I mean, if he gets two series, uh, that that really says something about, about those guys. Um, and maybe Rogers stays in a little longer at wide receiver because he'd be in a little bit longer at punt returner. Uh, as the lead guys, but there are hints to be found in yeah. things like that. That's a very good point, I, I think. Um, you know, somebody like Jared Pinckney, if he's ever going to show something, this is this, this is, is it. This is the time. Yeah, for a guy like that, big night for somebody like Cam Batts. You know, who who needs to to reemerge. And as, he's as done well in preseason performances for this franchise the over the years. I mean, he has. I mean, even in years where he he was so hurt that he wasn't able to play in the preseason. They've kept him around. He was the player, what, two years ago in Chicago. The fourth preseason game was his first appearance. Breakout. And then he ends up making the roster. Um, so, so he has capitalized on moments like this, and he should play higher up on the depth chart tonight uh, based on uh, just the rotation of, of what we're going to see. I mean, we're, we're, I, I would, uh, as far as starters go on offense, I would expect to see no one. Uh, that would include Josh Reynolds. I wouldn't put him out there um, with, with the way he's been banged up. Defensively, um, I think we'll see some starters. I think Jayon Brown would play this game, for instance. I don't know. Jayon Brown is there. I can tell okay. you that. But I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I doubt we see Jackrabbit Jenkins. I'm, it, starters on defense, how many do you think actually go? Because you, you agree with me, we're not going to see – we won't see the starting offensive you line. You could see Hooker or Ful- and or Fulton, maybe, right? I mean, the outside linebackers aren't playing. We'll see Tier Tart. Tart, maybe. Well, I don't think Autry or Simmons will play. No need to see them, I don't think. Uh, yeah. Same with Dupree. Dupree's definitely not playing. Landry, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if those guys made the trip. I don't, I don't even know if it I, – I asked around about this, and I, I never got a full confirmation. I don't know if Julio Jones decided to stay back no, or if went. If you're not playing, you're not going. Uh, if Julio Vrabel wanted to go back said. to Atlanta, they would fly him down there. If you're not playing, you're not going, Vrabel said. So I, I don't think Jones is going. As and he may prefer it that way, quite frankly. He may not want to be there on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to stand around. I, I don't know. Um, if, well, after I talked to AJ when he was going in, uh, so AJ Brown, back. I said, have a good trip. Or a good Friday night at home. <laughs> and he kind of nodded and gave me that look he gives yeah. with that smile. Is Kanye West still living in that stadium? I think so. What, what is the story behind this? He's, he's rented Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He's been living in Mercedes-Benz Stadium working on his new album. Like he's been spotted at different events. There? there was a, whatever the MLS team, Atlanta United, I think yeah. it is. Uh, they they had a game and he was spotted in the stands. There's a, they show, I've seen a picture of his little thing, which looks like a dorm room. But I mean, what's the purpose of it's living no dorm there? Room. I think it's just to show how much money he has. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to me like he's but just why not rent flexing the his money. House at the best hotel because he's in Kanye, downtown. man. He just he's at he a does four billion wants. dollar stadium. I mean, yeah, I, he's he does whatever he wants. He's been he's been living it's in Mercedes. It's a good place to watch a game. It's not a great place with for luxury overnight accommodation. I don't know. I mean, I, I've been in uh, Jerry World. I'd stay at Jerry World for a night, like to say you did it, <laughs> but for a long term stay. That's a nice stadium. I, I mean, I, I you, you could you could make a, a nice little uh, condo out of. Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I, I would bet on a prop if you see Kanye West or not during the broadcast tonight. Like that's that's what I'd be Just interested hanging. in with tonight's game. Again, if you not, could make a bet on whether or not Kanye available. West makes an appearance. Not enough props available on these preseason games is our our verdict. I know it, it, it did. You could really spice them up. It, Paul's right with the the cot where they looks like a little condo. I also saw or a little dorm, a, a dorm room. But he he also has like. Like a combined suite around the corner of one of the stadiums that they were also showing. Yeah, a as, suite. As, you could turn a suite into a nice thing. Yeah. But when there's nothing on the field below the suite, the suite all of a sudden becomes a lot less interesting as a space. It's got a nice TV and a nice couch and a sink and a bar. But you've got that in a lot of places. It, yeah. The suite is about what's going on down on the field. I'm curious if we see him on the broadcast. That's, well, that's keep a lookout. Tell us. I, I'm, I'm interested in two things. Kickers, kicking. <laughs> Kickers and Kanye. Kanye West. The two Ks. Kickers, <laughs> Kanye West. That's what I'm concerned with in tonight's game. 
<laughs> Kyle Pitts, maybe if he plays K. And half of these rosters. You don't want to put a third K. No, you know, let's not. Let's half go. Half of these rosters Paul, will be for, for, yeah. for Kanye yeah. as they stand on the sidelines and watch this clock tick down and tick down. Uh, our expectations are extremely low for an entertaining matchup. I will say, I used to do um, uh, item on every oh. player, which is the most painful <laughs> file I ever uh. did. And I, uh, much to many people's disappointment, I understand I will not be doing that. I will do some observations off the game. And Blake Bettingfield will resurface tomorrow at paulkoharski.com with some scouting observations off the game. What is your preseason travel schedule? Are you, I'm, I'm going this is the to one Tampa game you're next missing? week. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to Tampa next week for the two practices being the key, but I'll stay for the game. And also have a Friday and a Saturday before that kickoff in Tampa, which isn't the worst thing. And then Chicago at home. So they, those uh, two practices, obviously, the most important thing that goes on. Yeah, it'll be, they'll get the more preseason. out of that than they will this preseason game tonight. Yeah. And, and that's no knock on some of the back-end players. They're, they're going to get a lot of work next week, too. But coaches can structure and manipulate game situations the way they want it to in these right. joint practices Where it has that to come you can't up in get in a preseason game, game in the moment. Now, there's an aspect to just doing it on the fly and getting calls in. That, that benefit certain players in the preseason. Ultimately, though, they're going to get a ton more work. And, and that's why I don't, I don't even know next week how much the starters play because they're going to get the work against Tampa, During ones against ones. Yeah. So I, think I wouldn't even play very much next week. I think not a lot. Uh, guys who maybe need it, you know, quote-unquote need it, who are guys coming off something who only rank at a certain level. Chad, I didn't even think about going to Atlanta, but a surprisingly high number of Titans press people are going. So they just see it close enough to drive to it. Yeah, yeah. Go. Easy access to the even stadium though and back. Absolutely. I mean, the stories that are going to come out of there are going to be painful. Well, from a it makes a, sense just because it's a drive. Right. But yeah. But they're oh, going to be Logan a, Woodside, Darren, Darrington Evans kicker stories i mean if you heard mccann talk at the railing i mean mccann could go five for five tonight and he's gonna still be unquotable <laughs> most kickers are though no but qu- kickers, kickers are very are, quirky. Are quirky and weird Not everybody's baronis but, uh, but uh, pat mcafee <laughs> i mean guskowski after denver was ter- terrific oh yeah you know what i'm saying yeah i mean Tucker McCann, it's funny, Alkerman was, was yelling at him the other day, like, tell, tell them. There was some kind of coverage thing coming out of the end zone. He said, tell them. And we were saying, this guy can't tell anybody anything. He can't speak. Is he mute? No, he's just very quiet. Just quiet? Yeah. It's not, not much above mute. There's a big push on here for James Wilhoyt just to attempt kicks tonight <laughs> from people. A lot of people Did think that James Wilhoyt should be attempted to kick. I haven't practice. seen him yet, no. I mean, I can't say that I've, like, focused and been like, I'm going to find James Wilhoyt. But during kicking periods, James Wilhoyt is not a presence. Which I haven't seen me him yet. That a, doesn't mean he's not out there. A but bit weird. Hmm. I, I mean, I, he's not going to go up and tinker with a guy between one kick and the next kick in a kicking period. I'm not expecting that, but I would expect him to be pre- more Paul, present than, than he's been. You, you spoke to Arthur Smith yesterday. What, what did he say about this opener? against the Titans. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, it's going to be really cool that it's against these guys and that I'll see so many friends uh, as it starts. But once it kicks off, you, you get into the, to, to the normal flow uh, of, of things. He gave a lot of credit to a lot of guys for all the different ideas that he's incorporating. And really gave a lot of credit to, to Vrabel for the level of autonomy and freedom that he felt for his ability to, to do the things that he did while he was here that set him up to be in the position where he's in starting tonight. We, we will have plenty of observations on Monday off of this matchup during the power hour. And, and, and we'll have, look, I, we always have some, some roster movement on a weekend like this too, where guys are banged up and you have new guys come in and take roster spots. I would also keep an eye out for this week and next week for Jarrell Casey and Delaney Walker. If they really want to play, guys are about to get hurt in these preseason weekends where you, you may actually get one of these vets finding a spot midway through camp. So we can tie everything back into the start of the show now because um, we were talking about what the NBA should do to have their own field of dreams. 
David Lowenberg sends in on uh, Twitter, the Sixers should play a game at the Palestra in Philadelphia. David Lowenberg, a, a college buddy of mine. That would actually be a, a pretty cool thing. Well, but there's could, just not enough, like, people are saying Hinkle Fieldhouse. I mean, that's, 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 that's okay, but it's, it's a relatively big, you know, arena. It's not totally different to play. You know, it's, it's old and, and Yeah, unique, you're saying it's got to be outdoors, it, which means it's got to be in November or it's got to be in April. Yeah. And a lot of these markets, I'm saying. You Sixers can't do an at the outdoor. Palestra, though, would be a great Philly special event yep. for the Sixers. Uh, every market should uh, every try to market do this in should, some way. Should, uh, not, not every market's got that gym, I don't think. But the markets that have that gym or that legendary court, like we said for Knicks and Nets at Rucker or West 4th, go there. Yeah. Now, don't start it like everybody with one. Start it with one to have a night like yep. last night. But then seek to, to, to build on it. Because uh, last night was terrific. Been a fun week here at 6th and Peabody. Great week uh, with the new production assistants, Ellie Sylvia, Dylan Taylor, flat out getting it done. Uh, big shout out to Lance Lee and Jakob Swanson uh, for making it happen uh, here at 6th and Peabody. David Reed, the chairman of the board. Uh, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, have a great weekend. Uh, and come check out 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, it's always packed on the weekends. Uh, Chad, people ask, where is 6th and Peabody? It's at 6th and Peabody. <laughs> it's right there in the title. It's perfectly set up for you. It's one of my favorite things to do when someone says, where's the new studio? And I say, 6th and Peabody. And then they respond, where is that? And I can just say, 6th and Peabody. So I'll say it one more time, 6th and Peabody. Come down here, uh, enjoy lunch, dinner, grab drinks, come here over the weekend, come say hi to us next week at 1 o'clock when we sign off. Great partners of ours, and we love being here in our new studio. And we're, we're tucked away in one of the corners the studio is uh, in this entire footprint right behind the convention center, right behind Music City Center downtown. So peek around the corner and, and check out the studio. If you're here, you can see through the glass, take a photo, whatever it might be. It's right next to the Titans mural. That's right. Which is right across here. We are More back than- at it on Monday with Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Do not block the box, and kindly, over the weekend, lock all the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.